Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Hello and welcome to episode four of our journey through the book of 1 Peter. So far we have gotten a really good look at this letter that Peter is writing to the Christians who are dispersed across the Roman Empire, most of which are under persecution at this time. They're enduring quite a wave of persecution against them. Many of them are being arrested. Many of them are being murdered. And Peter is writing to these churches to ground their faith, to give them some encouragement, to give them a hope, to cause them to look forward at what is coming, not at the perils that they're facing. To recognize that what they're going through right now is sanctifying suffering, which is really difficult for humans to look at suffering that way. It's difficult to see suffering and say, this is good for me. This is something that is going to benefit me in the long run. This is me taking part in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We just don't think that way. Humans are creatures that are geared toward comfort and peace and prosperity. That's the condition we like to live in. But because of sin, most of the time, easy conditions are actually detrimental to our spiritual growth and sanctification. And so God calls his people to a life of service and suffering for their sanctification. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't give us good things. He does, and he takes care of his children, but he also calls all believers through this sanctifying suffering. And these Christians spread across the Roman Empire during the time that Peter is writing these letters really need this encouragement from Peter. And we've seen that. He started out by talking about this incredible hope that they have, and then he's going to launch into how they ought to live their Christian life in view of that hope. And in chapter 1, 14 through 16, Peter writes this. He writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, whenever we're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, quotation marks are an automatic stop sign. We should immediately stop and ask the question, what is being quoted? Sometimes the biblical authors do quote from sources outside of scripture, but many times biblical authors are quoting the scriptures themselves. They're quoting the writings of another author of scripture. And this is super important because scripture helps us to interpret itself. That's the whole purpose behind cross-references in your Bible. We look throughout the word of God to help us understand the whole word of God. And so when Peter says the words, it is written, and then quotes the Old Testament here in his letter, we must immediately pause and say, why is Peter quoting the Old Testament? What does it mean in the context of this letter? What was it meant to mean to his audience? What does it mean for us who are reading his letters today? And if we look a little bit, we see that this quote comes from the first five books of the Bible. It comes from the giving of the law when God was giving the law to Israel. And Peter is quoting God 
directly. God says to the people of Israel, you must be holy because I am holy. Immediately, we can see that what this means is there is a tie between God and the way his children should act in the Old Testament and God and the way his children should act in the New Testament. In other words, God had the same ultimate expectation for the children of Israel that he did for the Christians in Peter's day that he also has for us. The ultimate goal of those who are Christ followers is to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. In other words, we have to pursue the attributes of God. That is the ultimate goal of every Christ follower. But why? Why is being holy such an important thing for those who follow God? Well, because God himself is holy. See, God didn't say, because you want to follow me, you must be holy. He actually laid the burden on himself. He said, because I am holy. If you want to be my children, if you want to be my people, you must be holy. God does not bring himself down to our standard. God does not ask us to meet a standard that he does not meet. God sets himself as the standard and calls all who would be with him to meet that standard. Now, why would he want his children to be holy like himself? Well, because God is good. God is perfect. God is sinless. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so in order to be in his presence... We must be all of those things as well. We must be able to withstand the holiness of God. You see, holiness is an attribute of God. God doesn't practice holiness. God doesn't try to be holy. God doesn't strive for holiness. God is the definition of holiness. God is holiness. It is part of his existence. And holiness brings with it a tremendous power for what is good. Holiness cannot be stained. Holiness cannot be tainted. If it is, then it is no longer holiness. But because it is an attribute of God, God can never be tainted. God's holiness overwhelms all unholiness. When something that is unholy is in the presence of God, it is either destroyed or made holy. This is why we see stories in the Old Testament of things being destroyed or people being killed when they came in contact with God. For example, when David was transporting the Ark of the Covenant and he was doing so incorrectly, he had it on the back of a cart instead of it being carried by the priests, and the oxen stumbled and the Ark of the Covenant tottered and almost fell off the cart, and a righteous man, a good man named Uzzah, touched the Ark of the Covenant, Uzzah was killed. Now, why was Uzzah killed? Because though he was a righteous man, though he was a good man, though he loved God, his flesh was unholy. And so when it touched the ark, the holiness of God broke out against it because the holiness of God cannot be tainted. And so when the holiness of God comes in contact with anything, it either makes it holy or it destroys it. By the same token, this is why those people who overtook Israel, those nations that overtook Israel and profaned the vessels and the cups and the bowls that were taken from the temple that had been consecrated to holiness for God's service, suffered when they profaned those articles. God's holiness had sanctified those articles for his service. And when unrighteous, unholy people profaned them, they suffered consequences. And we see a story like that recorded in the book of Daniel. 
But in the case of his followers, of his people, those whom have been saved through the work of Jesus Christ, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross becomes a covering for sin, allowing them to become children of God. And because of this covering, we are now called to be holy. We are called to be like God. We are called to take on his holiness. Because when we come in contact with God, when we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are not destroyed by his holiness. Instead, we are transformed. And that is why Peter, in this passage of scripture, calls on Christ followers to be holy. And he repeats the words of God to Israel. Now, Israel, of course, was under the law. They were under the sacrificial system. And they were to pursue holiness. But of course, they were not going to be able to succeed. Nobody could fully succeed at being holy under the sacrificial system, except for the one man who was perfect, Jesus, fully man and fully God who fulfilled the law. And through his sacrifice, believers are made pure by his blood and able to pursue holiness. So Peter reiterates this command. He says, hey, this isn't just for the Jews of the Old Testament. The Jews of the Old Testament were given this command, but it was always looking forward to the Messiah. All of their failures, all of their striving to be holy was going to be met in the Messiah. But now the Messiah has come and the work of salvation has been done on the cross and the call to holiness is redoubled. In other words, it's even bigger now because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You are called to be conformed to the image of God. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and now your focus must be on holiness. Peter's talking about more than just good conduct here. He's talking about full obedience. He's talking about a holiness that pervades every aspect of your life. It reaches your thoughts. It reaches your words. It reaches the way you interact with people in your relationships. It reaches your marriage relationship. It reaches your parent-child relationship. It affects your morality when you're at work. It affects your morality when you're at home. It affects your morality when you're at church. It is to be the first thing that you think about when you encounter any situation. Holiness is to be the baseline mindset for the Christian. Now, to be holy means to be pure, means to be undefiled, means to be without sin. And the call of God on the believer is that everything that we do must be defined by the idea of holiness. And not just any holiness, not man's idea of holiness, but God's idea of holiness. In other words, We as believers are not to participate in anything, think anything, say anything, do anything, be in any situation that would impugn holiness. Now that's a weighty thought. If you think about everyday life, if you think about the myriad of decisions that we encounter every day, every week, every month, every year, And you look at them through the lens of all of these must conform to the holiness of God. It is incredibly daunting. And to be certain, every Christ follower will fail to be holy on a regular basis. We, in our own strength, are not capable of fulfilling this command found here in 1 Peter. This is just beyond our human capability. However... It is not beyond God's capability. 
And as followers of God, we have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit for the purpose of enabling us to be sanctified to holiness. See, one day, every Christ follower will be ushered into the kingdom of God, onto the new earth, when God is seated on his throne, and Jesus is seated on his throne, and we are made new. When sin is eradicated and cut out of all existence, when all evil is sent to eternal punishment, and we live in a resurrected creation that is perfected and taken out from under the curse of sin— we will then truly be holy as God is holy. But because for the believer, we live in an already not yet tension. In other words, we are already ushered into the kingdom of God, but the full manifestation of the kingdom of God has not yet come to earth. Jesus has not yet returned All evil has not yet been punished. The universe has not yet been destroyed and remade. And we have not yet been united to Jesus in that final great moment when the city of God will come down onto earth and God will be with man forever. That hasn't happened yet. But we are living in the kingdom now. We are living in the kingdom as it has already been set up after the triumphant work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, We are to already be pursuing holiness because God is holy through the power given to us by the Holy Spirit for obedience. And this pursuit is to impact every aspect of the believer's life. If you know Jesus, then there is not a single area of your life that should not be subject to the call to be holy. I would challenge you, To look at your life through the perspective of this call. To look at your life and say, am I pursuing holiness? Am I seeking to live a life that is holy because God is holy? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries, and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.